Project Rory, how good to see you again. Project Harry, welcome to Games on Film. Little bit of uh, I don't know, Amdram there. I don't radio play. Resident Evil the radio play. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Well, I've seen Resident Evil the stage play, but that's something I'll bring up on another episode, maybe. <laughs> kind of reminds me of that app you can get where you do exercise while hearing zombies chase you. I think that's a thing, but um, you know, it's not been branded like Resident Evil likes to brand itself. Anyway, this is Games and Film, and we're doing. Resident Evil Retribution. That's the one. Retribution. Yes, we last did Resident Evil Afterlife back in March. Just, was it back in March? It was when the world was ending. Yes, it was the last episode we did before we took a little bit of a pandemic break. Um, So it's about time that we covered another Resident Evil movie. And this time, it's sort of to tie in with the release, potentially, question mark, of Monster Hunter, the new Capcom video game adaptation from the Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich mega team that brought us (laughs) these uh, six Resident Evil movies. I say potential. At time of recording, the film was due to come out in cinemas in the UK on the 4th of December, Um, And technically it could post national lockdown in this country, um, but it seems to have also disappeared off the release schedules and is potentially now coming out in early 2021. At least in the UK. In the US it's, I think, still scheduled for a Christmas Day release. So Americans love their Christmas Day releases. I have, you know... To each their own, but I've never felt the compulsion to take the whole family to the cinema to watch something like Monster Hunter. You know, just <laughs> monsters roasting on an open fire. It'll just be whatever Pixar movie BBC One has secured the rights to yeah, this year. Yeah, that f- that film you saw years ago is now on the telly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny old times. Don't know if it would even go at the moment if it was out for all to see so we are just we are tidying ourselves over with another resident evil movie although it must be said the first images of monster hunter everyone's first thought was this looks just like resident evil but then i think uh, paul w sanderson's three musketeers just look like resident evil i don't know i've not i think that's one of the few paul w sanderson films i just gave up watching (laughs) um (laughs) Well, I have to say in the most recent, I think, Chinese trailer, the film did give me slightly more Mortal Kombat vibes. Uh I think it's aiming more of a PG-13 audience, so it's got a kind of, I don't know, it seems to have a more playful vibe than um, maybe some of the other 
offerings that uh, Anderson has given us in recent years. I think it might be the case that as the special effects got completed, they could reveal more and more of the fantasy world, um, which is the bread and butter of Monster Hunter. So yeah, um, initial imagery was pretty much military hardware, a la all the SWAT teams from Resident Evil. But yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see when we get to Monster Hunter, whenever that might be. But, you know, we are both Resident Evil fans, and so we're always happy to return to this world. God, I sounded really unconvincing then, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You get you know what you get with Resident Evil. <laughs> Um, and there's always lots to talk about. There's always lots to talk about. But um, since our last episode, there's been a few things happening in the world of Resident Evil as well, hasn't there? Yes, so our last episode we did with the release of the Resident Evil 3 remake, which uh, I still have not yet played. Um, Too scary. Uh, you just don't want no. to touch it. <laughs> well, it got a slightly muted response. I think lots of uh, fans complained that it was far too short and that the um, Resident Evil Resistance multiplayer mode was sort of there just to compensate for that. Um, But I've just been busying myself playing Resident Evil Revelations 2 instead in the meantime because it was cheap on Nintendo Switch recently and it was one of the uh, games I hadn't played yet and I quite enjoyed Resident Evil Revelations 1 so... Um, yeah, I'm having fun with it. Are they kind of more like old school resi with like locked cameras or? I think they are maybe a, um, a better melding of current Resident Evil and past Resident Evil than maybe number five was and as much of Resident Evil sits I have played. Uh, so I think they're pretty good games because they're fairly claustrophobic, um, and it's still like a third-person action situation. And they usually have just like a few extra gimmicks thrown into the mitts just to make it a little bit different. It feels maybe a bit more arcadey in a way to play than, you know, the sort of like full-blown Resident Evil experience. So maybe it's still a bit more action-focused. But I don't know. I'm kind of uh, enjoying this one. And in this uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2, you get to play as fan favorite barry burton who appears in resident evil retribution so you know game of the year uh Hmm. whenever it was released (laughs) got some barry to look forward to Uh, i think resident evil revelations one takes place on the boat is that right yeah predominantly although there is also some other kind of timeline chapters that you play in the past as well some of it set in a snowy climate much like part of this movie in fact what i you know this is i guess slightly festive i mean we're entering the um uh the festive season and with it comes snow and hey it's a resident evil movie with snow so we'll take what we can get (laughs) zombies in the snow it's uh it's pretty good actually resident evil revelations came out the same year as resident evil retribution and resident evil sits um i was looking back at my opinions at the time, and I think there's a link on our Games on Film website to a blog post I wrote at the time, uh, which I entitled Resident Evil Reservations, which was my kind of thoughts and feelings about the franchise at the time and how initial trailers for Resident Evil sits and this movie 
um, left me feeling a little bit cold about the direction both film and game franchises were sort of feeding off each other and becoming more action-based and more stupid. Um, (laughs) But uh, maybe we'll get stuck into that um, when we talk about the film proper. But speaking of films... This is, I guess, where the most exciting news is taking place, at least relevant to the podcast. Yes, it seems somebody read your blog post and decided, (laughs) I know what we need to do. Well, because 2021 uh, will be the 25th anniversary of Resident Evil, and it seems like Capcom is lining up quite a few things in that regard. I guess on the game side of things, we've got Village, Resident Evil, as it's known, I guess Resident Evil 8, because just like uh, Resident Evil 7, Biohazard was known in Japan as Biohazard Resident Evil because the games are called Biohazard in Japan. And you could spell 7 in the evil of evil with <laughs> Roman numerals. And Village also, if you take the V and the I and the first two L's is like 8 in Roman numerals. Do you think sometimes we should be doing these as like YouTube reviews? <laughs> I think I need diagrams and PowerPoint slides. Um, but yes, yeah, so Resident Evil 8 will be coming out uh, in uh, early 2021. But we also have two Netflix Resident Evil series coming out, as well as a full-blown Resident Evil reboot film. I was getting a little bit sad when... We were getting ready to record this episode because I was like, oh, this is the penultimate Resident Evil movie. It's just this in the final chapter and then we're done. But uh doesn't seem like it. I think we've got 25 <laughs> more years of Resident Evil movies coming up. Yes. <laughs> but yes, I'm very excited from what I'm seeing of the new Resident Evil movie. Uh, as we've mentioned before, full disclosure, I... I am, I guess, Facebook friends with the director <laughs> of the movie. Um, I worked on a few of his movies in the past, and so I was delighted to see that he was tackling Resident Evil. Um, haven't been able to chum my way onto set yet because, A, it's uh, being filmed in Toronto and we're in a pandemic, and B, we're Facebook friends. <laughs> not uh, not full-blown friends. Um, but, you know, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, we are seeing iconic uh, locations from the film. They've got a cast list, which includes William Birkin and other people from the games. Of course, this episode will be talking about a film which has the most game characters of all the films in it. But, yeah, it does seem like they are taking to heart... Um, what the fans have always wanted and it's funny we've talked about how we kind of, we do enjoy these rent evil films um, for all their faults and they have carved a little niche in onto themselves and I think we've even mentioned the films are kind of a bit stronger when they're not doing one-to-one recreations of the characters from the games but you, you know it's like you realise you've been thirsty for so long for genuine Resident Evil movies when you suddenly start seeing the Kendo's gun shop from Resident Evil 2 and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like a green herb, is what I say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all signs point to it uh, attempting a more faithful adaptation than what came before. Whether that pays off or not, we'll, I guess, see on a future Games on Film episode. Um, 
But yes, there have been two Netflix series announced, one live-action one, which has been met with a little bit of derision, I think, from some quarters, because the plot doesn't sound particularly faithful, although it does come from the same producers as uh, these uh, Paul W. Sanderson Resident Evil movies, in which it focuses on the the Wesker daughters who are moving to New Raccoon City. And it's set in sort of two timelines, one when they're young and one where one of them, I don't know which one, but let's just say one of them doesn't make it out alive. <laughs> um, ten years later in the future when the virus has like spread across the world or something. It's a very much a kind of question mark uh, product at the moment. Mm. Um, maybe something we know a little bit better about what to expect is Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, which is a CG animation series following characters Leon and Claire from the games, and seems very much a continuation of the three animated Resident Evil movies, which uh, we will have to cover sometime <laughs> on the podcast. Resident Evil Degeneration, Resident Evil Damnation, and Resident Evil Vendetta. <laughs> I've been trying to come up with some Resident Evil subtitles because, as we've often said, we we get them confused because Apocalypse takes place before the... before... what's the third one called again? <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. It goes, Apocalypse, Afterlife? No. Extinction. Damn it, Extinction. Apocalypse, Extinction, Afterlife, Retribution, and the final chapter. But, um... It's getting increasingly difficult to come up with subtitles. I'm I thought of Renumeration is a good one. Um Okay. So do you think of any? Uh Recrimination. <laughs> evil recrimination. I I like that. I mean that's a lot of the plot of some of these Resident Evil films. I, I was also because I just decided to plug in the Thesaurus and see, you know, because a lot of them are about extinction and apocalypse etc so i also came up with resident evil obsolescence <laughs> that that would teach a wide swathe of the populace obsolescence what that word actually is um and then resident evil apologies i like that i i, I, I put <laughs> i put this to my wife who was watching this well i say watching she was she was in the room while the film was on and I asked her for some suggestions, and she came up with um, Resident Evil Fuck Up, uh, Resident Evil Gone to Shit, and one she just looked up at the screen and just said, um, Resident Evil Helicopter Fell on Car, <laughs> which I think is a rather it's rather sweet. It gives me like a, a Muppet Babies vibe, because um, that's certainly what that Resident Evil Netflix show uh, makes me think of, the Wesker Daughters. I mean, it's quite sweet, because... Muppet Babies was brilliant, so maybe it'll be like that. Uh, also, I think it's quite sweet, sweet that in all these clones Wesker has made, he did take time to, to um, well, get his dick wet. I hate that expression. <laughs> well, Resident Evil sits the game follows Wesker's son. I see. Okay. Well, I, you um, spoiled it for me now. I'm not going to play it. Well, no, I think he's, like, introduced that way. Resident Evil 6 is one of the only main Resident Evil title games which I did not play because I downloaded the demo, I played the demo, I thought it was 
pretty much atrocious and never went back to it. Maybe one day when I'm incredibly bored and I've got no other games to play, but um, they keep on making Resident Evil games and I'd rather just play the newer, better ones. Also, I think we're both old and have no time for being completionists. There's Life is too no. short. And I think it's meant to be like the biggest, longest one with like three or four different scenarios to complete in order to see every stupid thing that happens. But Resident Evil 6, that came out, as I said, in 2012, the same year. And I think maybe just a month after Resident Evil Retribution came out. And Resident Evil Retribution, released in 3D, um, is the only one of the series I did not see in cinemas. And I think that kind of demonstrates just how burned out I was by Resident Evil as an entity at that time. Like, I dragged myself to see the four films previous <laughs> to that and I just reached a point where no no I can't take it anymore <laughs> well I get where you're coming from because I didn't see it at the cinema either and I think I just want to say spoilers for Resident Evil Retribution because I think one thing which really turned me off is that like all of the dead characters were there and like Michelle Rodriguez has returned Colin Salmon has returned and 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 Oded Fair had returned, and I'm like, do you take me for a fool? <laughs> what is this? And um, like the trailer, I think heavily leaned on the opening, which seemed to be a rip off of the remake of Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, and it really seemed like it was just insulting to be honest and i don't know why i cared so much then about the internal logic and consistency of the resident evil films but i think yeah because the filmmakers have never done so <laughs> i don't know i just felt like i just yeah i just didn't feel any great compulsion to go see it and it was only when i did my epic resident evil rewatch a few years ago where i watched all the films in one day that i actually saw it from beginning to end for the first time Oh, okay. And um, I think I caught like a section of it on TV um, on E4. I'm going to say E4. I think it's an E4 crowd type of film. and Not BBC4. It's definitely not BBC4. Director Paul W.S.S. Anderson's Resident Evil Retribution. Although if it was just called Retribution, it would sound like a kind of Ingmar Bergman film. I guess so. But it's not. I mean, there's a, there's a chess motif throughout these uh resident evil films so it could work could work but yeah again nothing really coerced me to go i was just a grown man i was I, you know i met my my wife in 2012 i had other things to do then <laughs> <laughs> it was the uk olympics we didn't want to watch any down and miserable resident evil film we were all like happy <laughs> remember being happy <laughs> do you remember being happy yes um, once <laughs> yes once <laughs> come on babe rise and shine let's get that beautiful ass out of bed you want cereal <laughs> watch it tiger please get a room sorry No, 
None of this is real. None, none, none of this is real. All these memories were imprinted. My name is Alice. Alice, how nice to see you again. What the hell is going on here? We have you under all control. They used me to perfect the virus. Everyone I've ever known. Everything I've ever done is being used against me. Now they can manipulate the world. We've taken over New York, Moscow, Tokyo. This is humanity's last stand. The beginning of the end. Good luck. You'll need it. Umbrella's more powerful than ever. And we're the only ones who can stop them. Right, okay, so so spoilers for Resident Evil Retribution. I watched this on Amazon Prime, and uh, I think the descriptions of the first Resident Evil film and and this Resident Evil film really do sort of highlight the the feeling of the filmmakers, perhaps. So Resident Evil is described on Amazon Prime uh, thus. A special military unit fights a powerful, out-of-control supercomputer and hundreds of scientists who have mutated into flesh-eating creatures after a laboratory accident. Okay, that's pretty much what happens. Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil Retribution is described as a sequel to Resident Evil Afterlife 3D. <laughs> Not the sequel, like a sequel. Like, you know, you can... there's some sequels to Resident Evil Afterlife. That's the last one worth worth noting. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i am assuming you've got the video box there i do i i also watch it on amazon prime but i do have the dvd and um uh the quote on the front of the box says the biggest and best resident evil yet evan dixon bloody disgusting.com i see well, i guess one of those and... statements is accurate as in who <laughs> said that yeah. Um, and the back reads, Humanity's Last Stand. The Umbrella Corporation's deadly T-virus is spreading across the globe, transforming ordinary people into legions of zombies. Headed for extinction, the human race has just one hope. Alice, Mila Jovovich. She's on a mission, fighting her way through cities and across continents, all inside the Umbrella's prime research facility. Old friends become new enemies as she battles to escape and discovers that everything that she believes may not even be true. Blimey. Is that it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, usually these things end with, like, them saying she is going to save the world or something. But I think if you've seen the last few Resident Evil films, you know she, she ultimately never does that. In fact. Yeah, because, I mean, it says that humanity is headed for extinction, mm. but um, they already went to extinction. It was in the third movie. Yeah. 
I actually like how it said ordinary people are being turned into zombies because it seems by that definition, sort of celebrities and other special types of people don't get turned into zombies. Like if you're famous, you don't turn. <laughs> I mean, one of the um, characters, one of the returning characters in this film is Luther West, who was the celebrity basketball player we met in Resident Evil Afterlife. And now he's been recruited as in Wesker's crack SWAT team. <laughs> I was like, Wesker says, Wesker, okay, Wesker also returns. And Alice absolutely does not ask how he survived the nuclear bomb to the face she, she introduced at the end of the last film. He just, Wesker shows up and she's just sort of like, oh, Wesker. Uh, not, how, how are you doing you're looking well considering what was it a, a neutron bomb in the up the nose um but he's wesker's big plan is like i've recruited a crack swat team like barry burton from stars leon s kennedy ada wong <laughs> ada wong the basketball player from the last film <laughs> So yeah, um, I don't know. I, like, I, I guess there was just like a jobs posting on, like, whatever the post-apocalyptic trades list is or something. Mm. Like, how did he get all their contact information? <laughs> um, I guess he just went to. I mean, Facebook did exist in 2012, so he just said friends of uh, Alice. <laughs> Alice's uh, mutuals. Alice's mutuals. You may know Claire Redfield, oh. <laughs> who. Claire Redfield, Chris Redfield, K Kmart, they are not even mentioned in this film. We saw them last on the boat at the end of Resident Evil Afterlife. They just do not appear at all. And I didn't really realise this until I read the trivia section on Internet Movie Database saying this. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot those characters even existed. As did. <laughs> I was like, what? What's going I mean, I've written here, I think this sums up the film for me in a nutshell. This film is incredibly incoherent, but it's somehow not confusing. <laughs> and I think that's an important distinction to make. I kind of was following what was going on, but it was just wall-to-wall gunfighting the entire time. Yeah, basically this whole film is just action sequence after action sequence. And that is save for two exposition dumps. The first one takes place at the start of a film where we have our series regular My Name is Alice hey. recap. That's what I have. I, I, when she said that, I was like, oh, hey, take a, take a, take a drink. But it made me realise that they, the reason they do these My Name is Alice recaps is so they can kind of like retcon each instalment. Oh, yeah. So they can just kind of like, you know, explain, bring everyone up to speed, but also like ignore the stuff that didn't work out last time, change the timeline, ignore certain characters which are no longer in the film because, you know, we're not hiring them this time, you know. You can have Colin Salmon or you can have Ali Larter, but you can't have both. <laughs> you can have Michelle Rodriguez, but you cannot have Wentworth Miller. They just will not appear in the same film. You just have to, like, move things around. It's like that game where so-and-so has to stand to the left of this person, but they cannot stand next to someone taller than them, etc. That's just how Paul Anderson casts his movies. Firstly, I think many more films should start with the main character explaining what's going on so far. Like, hello, 
my name's James Bond. And <laughs> um, a few years ago, I became a double O agent. And I thought I was going to, I don't know, wear some funny glasses and a moustache and go undercover and, you know, report back with some stolen documents. But boy, howdy, was I wrong. I, I think with uh, No Time to Die's continued delays, they'll need it because it's been so long since the last movie that it will just be Daniel Craig introing the movie. Do you know That's who the I pre-credit am? pre-credit sequence. <laughs> I'm Bond, James Bond. I'm not Ethan Hunt, but, you know, Bond. No, I'm not Jason Bourne. No, yeah, I'm the other spy, the other one. No, not Triple X. Quick side note. Um... <laughs> the 007 store today released um, a new product. There are six stickers. How much do you think the stickers are on the 007? Per sticker? No, it's, it's a set of six stickers depicting posters from the Bond films for, for your luggage. Oh, it's for your luggage? Yeah. So you look like a proper... You look like you're six years old with stickers of your favourite films and your luggage when you're going nowhere in a pandemic. I got you a James Bond sticker book. I know, and this is my point. is a potential gold mine. Okay, I'm going to say £7. What, for, for six stickers? Yeah. Higher? Okay, I was only going for 7 because it's like 007. Uh, £17. Higher? Okay, these must be premium vinyl stickers. I'll give you a clue. It is over £249. <laughs> is it £250? Yes. Oh my god. Flippin' heck. I mean, we'll get to the product placement and advertising in this film <laughs> at one point, but Bond is a, is a franchise which likes its luxury products, but I just could not believe... Anyway, in a, in a nutshell, I have a lightly used Doran Kinsley James Bond sticker set that I'm willing to sell for <laughs> for maybe £150 or nearest offer. So <laughs> anyway, hit me up. But back to, to Resident Evil. What were we even talking about there? Uh, exposition dumps. Yeah, as you say, there's there's two sort of lengthy speeches and and this has all like i guess this is also resident evil in in, during its best and worst impulses because another reason why i say this is sort of incoherent but not confusing is that i'm also with four films in now or even five films in now is how many films is this this is number five this is number five this is resi number five resi baker special (laughs) Resi number five is is all I'm just in the groove now. I know what to expect, you know. So, you know, when when Chris and Claire just don't show up, I'm like, fair enough. Apparently there was like a novelization or a deleted scene which suggests that Claire saw Chris being safely taken away in a different helicopter to she, to what she was, but she hasn't seen him since. <laughs> It's nice to be... He was safely taken away. Sounds more like he was kidnapped, but anyway. (laughs) Good, good. Basically, for the first sort of 20 to 30 minutes of the film, you don't really know what the hell's going on. Mm. What happens is that the film pits up immediately after the events of Resident Evil Afterlife, and it's this kind of slow motion in reverse 
with a like, beautiful piece of music, maybe like the best music in the whole franchise from Tom and Andy. Yeah, the one way I steeled myself before watching this film was, you know what, the music is usually pretty good. I really yeah. like the credit music. And um, yeah. I like the music in the last film, which had the same composer. So I knew, I knew, I agree with you, the theme for this film was, was I was humming it even today. Yeah. But like, it seems like the cues for this uh, intro, I mean, as much as anything in this film, this is still like a 3D movie. So everything is in slow motion. Everything is just a collection of these action vignettes, which why is it doing it this way? Because it's cool. Yeah. You know, just everything is like amped to as cool as possible. But, like, this seems to be taking its cues from the Dead Island trailer. Remember the sort of big yes, launch trailer for reverse. that with the with this kind of zombie attack in the hotel? Makes me cry, that trailer. Slow motion. Yeah, it's a beautiful trailer. And I sort of feel like Paul W.S. Anderson saw that and thought, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to do that. He, said, he, he called to the director, hey, can we do that? Oh, hey, I'm the director. Yes, Paul, we can. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's like a, a a striking, interesting way to open the movie. Although it sort of just like plays this all in reverse and slow motion, and then immediately plays it back again in regular motion. <laughs> so yeah. you know, adds a bit of padding to the runtime. I guess you you kind of have to dress it up in some way because you don't want to focus too much on how all the people Alice quote unquote rescued in the last film are utterly destroyed yeah like she we've i think we've seen this a few we've, we've we've noticed this a few times before but this very much makes it clear that the worst thing that could have possibly happened to these people is to be rescued by alice like <laughs> i can't even remember were they being gonna be experimented on by wesker i can't yeah maybe i don't know again going back to wesker when we finally see him he displays none of the sort of zombie zombification or plagueis mouth problems he was having in the last film so i'm just going to assume he got better <laughs> like, yeah. he was dead but he got better yeah no he's like oh uh, he, he coughed out that horrible thing growing in his mouth he was fine he was fine it then cuts to uh this new look alice waking up in bed in kind of domestic bliss She's got a daughter called Becky who um, is deaf and communicates for sign language. And the dad is Carlos, who da, da, we da. saw last die in Resident Evil Extinction. Um, and then uh, it's this kind of Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder remake, zombie attack, which actually is maybe the first time we've seen a Resident Evil, like it's in a domestic setting, um, which is something we haven't seen i suppose I for a while think you are right well done <laughs> <laughs> and then michelle rodriguez uh makes a reappearance after again we last saw her dead in resident evil the first film and um it's nice to see her back like i mean since this movie like uh she then was in i think 
killed off question mark in the fast and the furious movies and then brought back again to those and i guess like riding the success of that and um it's like oh hey we had this now star of these major movies again in the first film didn't she die in the first film and whatever we'll just bring her back but you know it's it's nice uh i read in um Lights, Camera, Game Over um, by Luke Owen, the video game movies book we mentioned before on the podcast, and I had him on uh, our episode number 40 to discuss uh, video game movies. Um, he interviewed Paul W.S. Anderson, and he mentioned that on set, because it had all these old characters from the movies, as well as introducing video game characters from the games, the cast kind of nicknamed this film Resident Evil All-Stars. <laughs> It could be also that Michelle Rodriguez is like that character in Office Space who just shows up despite, you know, not being paid and she doesn't, no one knows what to do with her. So we just put her in the film. (laughs) Um, I think we should say, though, I think despite being, again, quite confusing as to what's going on, which is not a bad thing, um, and also how it's a ripoff of Dawn of the Dead, it's effectively scary. It's like a sudden home invasion of of monsters and there's there's a really effective little jump scare when alice finally gets into the car with her daughter and we think they have escaped the zombies in the car and then one just pops up while the car's driving um through one of the windows so i think this is the one concession to resident evil being a horror film and then it's just loads of guns appear and alice goes yeah when she sees them. <laughs> it's just like oh, she's demented but anyway but yeah that this all culminates with alice or who we assume to be alice um being attacked by zombie parasite las plagas infected carlos husband maybe uh and then we have another alice maybe it's our own alice original alice well you know we'll find out who's who uh she wakes up and again True to umbrella form, she is naked, except for a kind of modesty tissue. Just enough naked. Yeah. This this might be a bit too rude to put in the podcast proper, but... ...couple of films, we see a... ...don't we? Um, and I yes, think... this is too rude. <laughs> um, but anyway. Yeah, it's not a Resident Evil film. If she doesn't go, my name is Alice... Or we see her wake up naked, or we see a beautiful CGI map of where the action is taking place. We see the suburbia zone, we see Moscow zone, we see the Aztec zone, and the Crystal Dome in the centre. <laughs> yes, got heavy Crystal Maze vibes. I did note with interest the suburbia zone in this underground testing facility is the largest zone so larger than tokyo and moscow i suppose they only have to do a couple of blocks i suppose in in the city but anyway maybe it's just a leftover from um what is it sea haven in the truman show or whatever <laughs> yes harry lives in that <laughs> yes i mean we arrive at the central control area where wesker appears via television screen and lays down the whole deal of this facility he says that the sky is just painted black and i kind of really wished there was like like a smiling half circle moon and <laughs> big childlike stars twinkling just bouncing happily that would have been rather special yeah so the whole explanation of this test facility where alice um 
has been taken by Umbrella is that it was basically created by Umbrella because their primary income is viral weaponry. And in order to simulate what would happen when they release virus or release these bioorganic weapons into a populated area, such as these big city centers or a suburban area, uh, this would be able to show their effectiveness and they could then sell their viral weapons to the highest bidder. So they would demonstrate what happens with an outbreak in New York and sell it to the Russians and they'd do an outbreak in Moscow and sell it to the Americans, etc. And that way they could have a kind of biological arms race, I believe Wester calls it. And the whole facility is in northern Russia under water in an old sort of submarine facility. And you know what? I wrote here, I actually bought it. Like, I think this big question for the last few films is why is Umbrella still pretending to be a business or trying to... What the, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> um, but, what the hell are they doing? But I got the idea that they can make so much money by making sure that everyone had their own T-virus and so it's like the new version of mutually assured destruction. So, you know, I'm in, um, I want 50% of the company <laughs> and, and I'm going to invest two ten thousand pounds now. Um, but I do wonder if like the Russians were seeing this outbreak in New York and they were like, excellent, excellent. We will buy your viral weapons, but, um, are you sure you don't have Moscow simulation too? And they're like, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. We're only selling it to you guys. Of course, they say they say Moscow, which in Wesker's mind is an entirely different place. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? In in all this madness that we're watching, I kind of got this, and I got that. Okay, so it has got a little bit out of hand, which might be an understatement. <laughs> but I get why they went this way and and didn't just stick to cosmetics <laughs> <laughs> but i i sort of like think it is as a concept it is maybe the resident evil films at their most high concept besides you know like a drought caused by the t-virus or, or whatever and resident like, evil extinction but i mentioned it last episode but again the, what happened to the drought? <laughs> the, game, the, the, films, the, fir, the third film said the whole world has, like, T-virus has drained the rivers. And this, everything is now back to, like, as much water as possible, please. It's like an ice world in the last <laughs> ten-minute section of this film. Um, but yeah, it's it's at its most kind of, like, high concept and ridiculous and in a way it mirrors where the games had gone in that state but um i guess it's also like the most creative and fun of the resident evil movies at least in terms of like the settings and locations like i think the original tagline was like evil goes global and you know it was sold on the idea it's just like look at zombie attacks here look at zombie attacks mm. there it's like a globe trotting yeah. thing and it's just like no it's globe trotting in like an underground facility and and um in the interview um 
in the Lights, Camera, Game Over, but Paul W.S. Anderson does uh, say that he was inspired by theme parks and he was inspired by like an evil version of Disney World, <laughs> as well as like the films Westworld and Future World. So I think it is like a fun concept and it does allow for, uh, you know, breaking out of the kind of claustrophobic action sequences of like the previous film yeah. and not just the boring desert of the one before that it just is maybe more playful yeah i do appreciate the different settings uh, even though it's an artificial globe trotting movie i do remember as i said i only caught a clip of this um on the telly a few years ago not knowing the plot so i was like intrigued this is set in moscow interesting and then the camera zoomed out and then we entered suburbia. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's still certain odd things about the this film. Like Alice, I had to keep reminding myself, at this point, Alice has no powers. But then we have this crazy corridor fight. It's your typical um, Resident Evil white corridor. There have been laser trip wires and things. And she's sort of sort of turned herself into a T-shape with one foot on the floor, one foot in the face of one zombie, her gun in the face of another zombie. She's blowing everything away. And it's like, I'll oh, just go with it. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have superpowers, but she's still very limber. <laughs> mm -hmm. With her, you know, this, this season's fashion wear, the uh, black skin-tight outfit with all of the buckles, she she escapes her confinement she escapes her torture confinement when there's a computer shutdown with like a 10 minute timer or like a, a very short timer which the computer is announcing and then this outfit appears and i'm like how long does it take to put on all those buckles it goes right up her back i think it's be impossible for her to do on her lonesome you know i have to help my wife get her boots on sometimes and they're just poppers <laughs> but this is insane yeah the whole facility i mean she's been kidnapped and placed there and been interrogated by jill valentine who was in the second film and has now been captured by umbrella and brainwashed by them using some sort of spider bug implant on her chest which we saw in afterlife and also features in resident evil 5 so it's a ludicrous concept but it does come from the games You'll never guess how she gets defeated at the end. <laughs> it's like Alice pulls off that ginormous thing which is clearly controlling her brain. <laughs> it's like that bit in The Dark Knight Rises when he uh, finally decides to punch Bane's mask. It's like, oh yeah! My weak spot. <laughs> it definitely is a glowing weak spot. Yeah, for sure. But what is funny is just like, you know, Umbrella can't resist branding. Everything is a branding exercise with them. So if you weren't Alice, but you were still captured and kidnapped and put in this interrogation cell, and you didn't understand why, you would just see the floor is the Umbrella logo. You have Umbrella logos everywhere. For a secretly evil organisation, they sure do love their branding. It'd be like, oh, who captured me? Who's held me captive? Oh, it's Umbrella, because their logo's everywhere. <laughs> So speaking of branding, one of the locations in this underground testing facility is a recreation of New York, New York. 
uh, with your typical Sony Pictures replaced advertising. <laughs> because, you know, Times Square and places, they, they look iconic because of the adverts. But in a Sony movie, especially like Spider-Man, they'll put whatever shit they want there, including a massive sign for Norton Antivirus. And I couldn't work out if that was really tacky or genius. <laughs> it's actually literally there's one shot where alice i'm gonna call her full name project alice and ada <laughs> wong uh, are back to back firing their pistols at the head of these ginormous axe-wielding executioner zombies and um right above them sort of like godlike is the advert for Norton Antivirus protecting what you care about, it says. Um, yeah, I don't know. It certainly, it certainly drew, it did draw my eye away from everything else which should be included in a Resident Evil movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had two Executioner zombies. I had Ada Wong. The game's Ada Wong. The actress even was redubbed by the voice of the game's Ada Wong. Um mm which I think was more to do with the actress's management of the English language than like adherence to the video games, because they certainly didn't dub Leon. <laughs> um, so I had all this stuff, but my eye was just drawn to... Maybe, maybe, does my computer need an upgrade for its antivirus software? I'm, I should get on that. <laughs> well, I, I saw during the sort of Shibuya Crossing sequence, which... Alice finds herself in a kind of recreation of the very first outbreak that we saw at the start of Resident Evil Afterlife. Yeah, really cool scene. But it begs the question that we find out all these, I guess, NPCs, one would call them, but all these like humans in these simulations turn out to be clones. But it means that they went back and cloned the original Patient Zero and the original First Attack. Like, how did they know? How did they know who these people are? Because we see them. Alice fights a zombie which looks like the zombie which did the original bite in Resident Evil Afterlife. But how did they know? <laughs> right, I've got two answers, a long answer and a short answer. My short answer is who cares? Um, <laughs> my long answer is I know the film is meant to say in Afterlife that this was the first outbreak but we could have just been looking at the testing facility at this point um you know i'm trying yeah. to help this film out a little bit <laughs> it was kind of cool though to return to the sequence which was one of my favorite sequences in the entire resident evil saga and so it's cool to see it back and it just made me think oh is this going to be like avengers endgame and we're going to see all these bits we like from the other films but it's actually just this bit yeah but like what, what caught my eye again was with the branding was the fact that it had like GameStop yeah advert like the and uh rockstar energy drink and i don't really think either of those are big in japan if they even exist at all um but i just wonder like whether these brands paid to have their advertising in these simulations yes yeah, that's, that's like exactly that's because exact... like <laughs> Because, like, the crack team that also invade the facility have Sony tablets. They do. And it's just like, this is umbrella-issued tablets in order to break into this facility, I suppose. But it's all Sony promotional consideration. So I do wonder whether mm. it's just like, you know, 
Oh, like, oh, it appears like Umbrella um, is uh, responsible for the end of the world. Um, but uh, we still need to do the corporate branding in their Times Square simulation to sell to the highest um, bidder for viral weaponry. I like to be the guy who sells advertising space in an underground lair. It would be like, who's going to see this advert? Um, clones soon to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Russian military suddenly craving for a Pepsi Max because they saw it in a viral outbreak in Times Square. Interesting. All, all these unanswered questions. I hope this all gets wrapped <laughs> up in the final chapter because um, there's, a, there's a, lot of, a lot of questions need answering. Resident Evil Addendum <laughs> Appendix <laughs> Don't. My name is Ada Wong. Operative for the Umbrella Corporation, one of Albert Wesker's top agents. I know exactly who and what you are. Now the real question is, why don't I just cancel your contract right now? I don't work for Umbrella anymore. And neither does Albert Wesker. So, uh, Ada we mentioned, she's part of Wesker's special strike team, which was definitely not made of people he could just get hold of. Um, like it contains Ada Wong. We sent Luther West from the last film, Barry Burton, Leon S. Kennedy, and two nameless guys who are definitely not going to be eaten by zombies. <laughs> hey, one has their head bitten off by a giant liquor. It's quite different. Yes, by a giant liquor. I do like to see liquors. This one was just inexplicably bigger. Do you think, like, making. Like a cake, they just doubled up the recipe in the DNA. We just increased everything by two. <laughs> and it's like, oh, serves six. It is definitely an absolute unit. It's a chunky unit who will not die to like a tiresome degree. <laughs> <laughs> and has suddenly adopted the need to capture people alive and yeah. stick them in egg sacks in a not entirely anything to do with aliens ripoff because as it's known the resident evil movies have no inspiration from the aliens films absolutely not not like the spider on jill's chest acts in any way like a face hugger when it's finally pulled off <laughs> um yes this liquor i noted it kills on sight literally everyone except a deaf little girl who's who's needed Actually, she's not needed, is she? She's entirely extraneous no. to the plot. She's very much there to be the newt to mm -hmm. Alice's Ripley. Uh, it should be noted, credit where credit's due, she was not written as deaf in the script. It was just down to her fantastic audition, apparently. And so they just Im implemented her sign language into the film. I, well, I think in a franchise which seems to get through a lot of little girls <laughs> Ew, at least in sort of moving on <laughs> no i mean in terms of like each film they like recast the red queen and they have you know surrogate uh children for alice to protect at different points but i think she is probably the best of the bunch that we've seen she is certainly better than the red queen in this film she looks so fed up and i don't <laughs> think it's character i think the audition 
for Becky, the daughter character, came down to those two. And the girl playing the Red Queen ended up just saying things like, you're all going to die down here. But she says it a bit wrong. I didn't, you know, it wasn't a perfect recreation. I think the the Red Queen is also dubbed. I see. All I just saw were the two credits, the Red Queen and voice of the Red Queen. I see. Well, that's probably even more why she's pissed off. She's not being paid for her voice. <laughs> it's just an odd antagonist, isn't it? There's something, there would be something perhaps more sinister if it was just an artificial intelligence and a few blinking lights. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not saying Paul W. Anderson is anything like Stanley Kubrick. In fact, probably the absolute opposite of Stanley Kubrick. But Kubrick managed to portray a bit of menace by just the the red eye of Hal 9000. And uh, I'm just not scared by a red queen. <laughs> it's also at this point that the Resident Evil spin-off title, The Umbrella Chronicles, which charted Albert West's rise to supervillainry, introduced the Red Queen from the movies as an antagonist and overarching villain uh, in the games too. So, yeah, this was again when I had Resident Evil franchise burnout. <laughs> It'd be great if they were in like the Moscow zone. And they needed to find the Red Queen. It turned out to be like a Russian drag act. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just a, that's a joke which I enjoyed. <laughs> so what, do we, what else do we want to say about the team? We got Barry, finally. He looks like Barry. He's got a big gun like Barry. He's, he's Barry. What do, you, what do you want? He's Barry. <laughs> he sure is. You know, he could have said, I need to make a Alice sandwich. <laughs> um, apparently... According to the trivia, this is the only Resident Evil product in existence where Jill meets Leon. They've they've never met on camera before, so, you know, take that, haters. (laughs) I wouldn't really constitute their interactions in this film as meeting. (laughs) I will say, I guess guess my favourite Resident Evil character in the games, and for many people, I think, is Leon S. Kennedy. And... I freaking hate this guy in the film. <laughs> he's got he's got face fuzz and we all know what makes Leon Leon is that he looks like a baby. He looks really close to Leonardo DiCaprio. It was that kind of this whole thing with that the droopy hair and stuff of the time. I, I think Leon gets a bit fuzzier faced in future Resident Evil installments and looks more gruff, but the the look of the character in this movie is very much taking its cues from Resident Evil 4, as is with Ada Wong and the relationship that kind of started in Resident Evil 2 between those two characters is sort of brought to the fore here. Like, he's got Leon's jacket from Resident Evil 4, and when he takes it off, it's the same kind of, like, outfit underneath. But yeah, he's got, like, zero of the charisma. Like, there's this dialogue sequence between him and Alice, and, like... Alice wants to go rescue Becky, he wants to escape the facility, and they're just like, the way they're interacting with each other, it's just like two robots, like, trying to process, like, emotions. Yeah. I want to do this. You should not do this. It was actually... I'm going to do it anyway. It was All at, right, then. <laughs> it was at this point where my wife looked up from her phone and said, the dialogue's shit in this. <laughs> and, and I sort of chastised her because she was... I said she wasn't paying attention to the film... She was looking at her phone, missing all the nuance and all the acting, <laughs> and that she should pay attention. What are you doing? She's alive. 
going to get her. I didn't lose this many friends so you could just walk away. I plan on coming back. Don't do this. You're more important than she is. That's where you're wrong. This is a mistake. Get out of my way. I mean, you know, the Resident Evil films have never had great dialogue, but you've got people like Colin Salmon and they're sort of selling them within an inch of their life. And, and you know, even like Carlos and Alice and, and all those, you know, they're chewing, they're chewing the scenery, they're chewing the dialogue, but this Leon guy just, just no. <laughs> Look at what they've done to my boy. <laughs> I mean, another character who looks identical to her Resident Evil 4 appearance is Ada, and I think we mentioned this right at the start when we talked about how, like, Jill Valentine in the first... in her first, I'll start again. I think we mentioned this before in our Resident Evil Apocalypse review, how odd it is to see characters in their absolute identical video game costume because, you know, Ada Wong, she iconically wears this red dress in, in most of her appearances. Um, I was struggling to think of a reason why she would be dressed like this in the middle of an arctic base underground and like we're at the end yeah. of the film she's brought she's a prisoner and she's on this frozen tundra and i was thinking you really didn't think this through did you <laughs> she didn't really dress for the occasion no she did not not like alice with her buckles <laughs> <laughs> look at these these buckles so Alice and Ada need to rendezvous with the rest of the team so they can escape the facility, which is going to, in the nature of these movies, detonate in about two hours or so. Um, so they can blow Umbrella's research sky high or below sea. <laughs> There's a scene when Alice um, is walking through the facility with Ada and they get to this sort of grassy plain with... Um, like a holographic sky and Ada goes they're fake they're holograms and I kind of really wanted Alice to go yeah I, I know for fuck's sake I know we're an underground facility I know they're fake clouds okay shut up Ada that's harsh <laughs> <laughs> it's just stating the obvious um, but they uh, need to rendezvous in the Moscow zone where the remainder of the strike team are dealing with Las Plagas infected parasitic undead zombie soldiers. This time, the zombies can shoot guns and use chainsaws. I kind of like and don't like them. I mean, there's a real kind of grungy 80s zombie movie vibe. It reminds me of the zombies of uh, Return of the Living Dead, you know, where, where basically mm -hmm. they look like zombies, but they retain all their facilities. Um, it reminds me of there's like a car chase so they're literally doing a car chase with zombies and it reminds me of the video game house of the dead 2 where you, you have zombies and cadillacs and things like that but um yeah and in like resident evil 4 and 5 and i think 6 like you are fighting you know infected parasitic soldiers who have all their you know functions and they, means they of, look like humans like, shooting though. at they, you they don't look like zombies yeah yeah i think it's maybe they went a bit overboard with the with the makeup jobs on some of these uh uh monsters so you know i like him on that sort of base level but um you have to consider that when alice is not high kicking everything 
everyone is just shooting and this must break some sort of record for the amount of blanks fired it is constant (laughs) constant constant gunfire and not exactly filmed very interestingly it's just a lot of locked cameras with the slow encroachment of soldiers yeah but i don't mind that so much because actually yes there is a lot of gunfighting and a lot of fist fighting but the action is clear it's not interestingly shot but it kind of makes me it maybe it felt to me like a bond film in places actually just in terms of you take that back <laughs> <laughs> but like how it isn't like shaky cam and all that kind of stuff how it is just like let the stunts work let the action play and let the bad cg <laughs> be fully uh, realized on your screen yeah. you know i mean i think um it it, it sort of works letting the action speak for itself not in a very dynamic fashion, but if you are just going to be firing like a million blanks all at once, you want to make sure you see it. I mean, I think this makes me think of a question that's been in my mind since we did uh, Ratchet and Clank in the last episode, because we were quite down on that film because it was just what it said on the tin and it was it didn't rise to the occasion. I feel this is sort of guilty of the same sort of crime but it's just, I, I, I guess I am sensing that Paul Anderson likes just to put everything he wants on screen. He's just throwing everything at you. I mean, it's it's difficult to be, I wouldn't say it's, I was about to say it's difficult to be bored. I, I was pretty bored by the last slow motion snow fight action sequence, but it's quite difficult not to be paying attention to it because <laughs> it's so loud. I think that's the thing though, because like the previous film had been the most successful film of the franchise so far. So with this film, uh, Anderson had the biggest budget of the Resident Evil movies so far. And so he was able, he said to film it the closest to his screenplay of all the films up to that point in the end the film made 240 million worldwide which was down on afterlife's 296 million dollars i mean we didn't see it at the cinema you and i usually see up the films like a few hundred <laughs> times don't we <laughs> yeah that cinema. 56 million dollars <laughs> less was <laughs> i mean going to the cinema in london i know <laughs> yeah with a bit four tickets Paying for the 3d privilege you know <laughs> but yeah i guess i guess he is throwing his money up there i'm sure alice didn't drive a Rolls Royce pimp mobile in the original script, but then he was like, I've got the money. Yeah, it was going to be a Fiat Cinquecento. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Alice eventually rendezvous, and there's that car chase where they're pursued by zombies on motorbikes and a giant liquor, and they manage to escape through the metro and via a train tunnel in order to get back to the elevator. Um but it's at that point where they also rendezvous back with Good Rain, maybe, the Michelle Rodriguez character. There's like a question mark. Is this is this the rain that we saw at the start of the film and from the suburban household who also survived the zombie attack, as did Becky? Or is this like bad evil rain who's part of the alpha team squad with clone one and clone carlos um in disguise 
And it turns out, oh no, she's good rain. Yeah, she's the rain who helped Mum Alice and Becky escape at the start. And she's introduced uh, as admiring all the sexy soldiers who appear. And she goes, who's these guys? And I, I really appreciate her, like, horny mom <laughs> rain. And I think she has my favourite. There's, like, one bit of funny humour in this. There's lots of there's lots to enjoy, don't get me wrong. But the one pointed bit of dialogue is when she's been schooled on how to use guns by badass Alice and Rain is saying, I campaigned for gun control. I marched against the NRA. And uh, I, just, <laughs> I just quite, you know, she seems to be the one person in all the hundreds of characters we've seen in Resident Evil who's like, I'm not so cool with guns. Even though she is a clone, she is the most human. She is the most human. But she is a clone. <laughs> yeah, I just just like... Umbrella created these clones and they said they had 50 basic models of which Alice is one of them too. She's a basic bitch. <laughs> she is a basic bitch. And she's been imprinted with basic bitch memories. And <laughs> I just wonder whether uh, like uh, Project Rain in um, Umbrella's suburban test zone, they were like, let's make one of them anti-guns and see how they react to a zombie outbreak. Hmm. Not well. It's just, I mean, she was one of the only ones that survived. So what does that say? As soon as she picked up a gun, she took a shot at a liquor and the liquor killed her. So yeah, I thought there was so, no layers in this film, but we've just discovered the mother load. I think this film might be anti-guns. Guns create violence. It doesn't, they don't stop violence. <laughs> um, it is apparently part of the law of this film and of these films actually that the all the umbrella soldiers we have seen are clones um it was meant to be in this film but it didn't get put in but i think according to the script or to some ancillary material the soldiers are clones made in the facility that we see in this film and that in part way explains how they get so many people <laughs> to uh be part of the Umbrella Corporation's army, and also why they're so loyal. So, again, I wish it had been inserted into the film at some point. Do you think at one point uh, you just see in the background walking through the test facility being shown around the simulations, um, you see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi? Ah, your clones <laughs> are very like... impressive. They must be very proud. <laughs> I think they probably were in a script meeting, and... They they said, what if we included this line about the soldiers being clones? And Paul Anderson was like, but then we'd have to take some time away from shooting guns. It's, oh, that's a good <laughs> point. No, we want we want at least five more shots of thrash metal and guns. Now. 
Yeah, we do have like the big clone facility where they seem to just, you know, keep producing more and more and more. And like lots of Alice's or Alice eyes. I don't know what's the plural of Alice's. But like they must only be able to introduce one Alice into one scenario at one time. Otherwise, you'll get situations where you have like 20 Alice's <laughs> all like bumping into yeah. each other and like, oh, hey, what? You look just like me. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a bit odd. And the machine is still going, so it sort of implies they are still making, like, still making Alice clones. So I'm sure they're just going to get to a point. It's like when you're running out of printer ink, and it says we're running out of like Alice bums. <laughs> we need some bums, and you can't go. You have they have to be HP branded bums. We can't use any of the cheap stuff. But all, but all the Alice's, their hair is Alice, the genuine one, whereas the Alice in Suburbia had different mm. hair. So do they like create all the clones and then also style and model them and give them wigs? Well, I'm assuming that this window into Alice's suburban life is actually a window into the household of Paul W. Sanderson and wife Miliovich. And, and this is what happens most mornings. He spills some coffee on his shirt. Milovic is like, oh, I'll get you a fresh one. And then zombies attack the family. And that's something, you know, those are trained actors which Paul W. Sanderson has, has hired just to put some spice into his life. Like Cato <laughs> in The Pink Panther, he's got zombies hiding throughout his house. And at any point, they could explode <laughs> out of the laundry basket <laughs> and chase his family <laughs> into the street. <laughs> Christmas at the Anderson Yovovich household must be yes. very One of exciting. these contains a zombie dog. <laughs> One of these contains a virus. <laughs> uh, oh, don't shake it. Wait until I've, um, I'm outside of the house. <laughs> Bye. What did Santa bring you? Um, well, it's not a train set. <laughs> anyway, um... I think the big final shootout at this facility is surrounding the massive elevator, or as we say in the UK, a lift to the surface. Um, it wouldn't really be a Resident Evil game without a big access well, no. elevator and also a power cut, which needs to be resolved in order for you to use said elevator. Now, again, I see a giant, an oversized elevator and I get flashbacks to Resident Evil 2 being chased around. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that. This is where I think we see the last of Colin Salmon. I think he just gets shot. Did you notice like in the opening credits of this film, it was the first time I think we had actors introduced alongside their character names. So it said, what's his face as Leon S. Kennedy? And it said, <laughs> yeah, um, who, it what's, says you exactly know, what, that. You know, blah de blah as Rain and so-and-so as Albert Wesker didn't do it for Colin Salmon. I think it only did it for characters based on video game characters. Yeah, everyone but Carlos, apparently, even though he's apparently, even though he's like a big part of the film, um, Odid Fair didn't get a credit over the blowing up bodies of innocent people, which is a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, innocent people. Ugh. Uh, but yeah, Barry gets gored by a big liquor and then he shoots one after being shot himself in a big hero moment. Um, 
Alice goes to rescue Becky from the giant liquor, and then they all escape. Well, the surviving ones, that's Leon and Luther and Alice and Becky. They should have all looked down on the body of Barry lying there. And as they they go up in the elevator, they see him disappearing into distance. They should have shouted, you are dead! <laughs> Just like in the games. <laughs> you are dead! I guess we never know who says that. No. Who is saying you are dead in the games. I mean, maybe that's just what happens when you actually die, you know? It's the last thing you see before the lights go out. Just the text, you are dead. <laughs> oh, well, it's good to know. Thanks for the heads up. Thanks for the deads up. But yes, they escape on the elevator and the base explodes and then they leave via snowmobile, but... The ice traps beneath them and an umbrella-branded submarine pops out and outside of the submarine come Evil Jill, Prisoner Ada, Evil Rain. Mm-hmm. And I actually timed how long this final sequence is. From beginning to end, it's 200 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's just a slow motion fight it's actually 10 minutes but it felt like it went on forever and it just just didn't need to go on this long and rain kind of without being prompted uh shoots herself up with a plagueis parasite and you know i'm I'm, i think resident evil 4 is my favorite resident evil game so seeing the plagueis get get plagueis representation makes me happy (laughs) although um it seems to just grant her the ability to get shot a lot and not be affected she kind of like pops the bullets out of her fingertips like she's the mask or something that i really thought that was that made me giggle actually but yeah it's a lot of fist fights a lot of um mortal combat zoom in x-ray bone breaking oh yeah all of a sudden that happens like (laughs) oh yeah like what am i making again mortal combat evil Nah, I'll just split the difference. I think it's just to like uh, emphasize the fact that when Rain hits Luther in the chest, his heart stops and he dies there and then because otherwise it would just look like, oh, you just like, got punched really hard. That's what killed him. Yeah, Nothing they, else. They didn't trust the actor's acting enough to convey being dead, despite him falling over and closing his eyes. So I'm not convinced. <laughs> Let's CGI his chest collapsing. <laughs> Basically, they, they wrestle for a good long while. I don't know why Alice doesn't pull out Jill's mind control bug like as soon as she gets close to her. But anyway, she pulls it off. Jill is back to normal, wondering where the hell she is in a skin-tight outfit in the middle of the Russian tundra. <laughs> and um, we... We move from a slow motion fight with rain to a slow motion underwater sequence with rain as she's pulled under the ice by zombies. And, you know, I'm assuming these zombies don't continue to rise to the surface. Having got their food, they go down again. (laughs) It's not. I'm just uh, I don't know. Like it's, you know, they always say it's very hard to escape broken ice. And I'm not sure zombies necessarily have the facility to like very slowly spread themselves out of the ice in order to not fall through the cracks again. I have a feeling we'll see rain again. And 
I have seen the next film. Um, I'm not going to say if she's in it, but if she isn't, she'll she'll show up in something else. She's such a beloved character. Yeah, just just stick her in some other movie. She's going to show up on set in Toronto of the new Resident Evil film, and Michelle Rodriguez is like, "I see, I hear you're making a Resident Evil movie," and it's like, "Not with you." <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> this whole scene starts just after Leon says. <clears throat> Uh, the choppers are on their way, so sit back and relax. <laughs> Those choppers eventually arrive, and um, Alice is sort of taken to safety. She seems pretty cool, even though she knows she's on her way to meet Wesker. But um, I guess it's I guess it's better than being dead. Yeah, Wesker has taken up residence in the White House, um, which is humanity's last stand as mentioned on the back of the box but appearing in the last two minutes of the movie um yeah not much wesker here it's it's like a kind of it's a weird intro because like alice is escorted into the oval office and then wesker does his old fancy little zip (laughs) he goes pew yeah zips right by alice and injects her with t-virus again because he's saying you were the only one to successfully bomb with the virus i took your powers and i'm now giving them back to you because i need you again you're the ultimate weapon Hmm. he says alice is the only person to successfully bond with the t-virus like directly after demonstrating t-virus capability because he zips across that room like lightning yeah so like is he just like only giving himself a moderate dose now (laughs) Well, look, look, I tell you, I tell you something which genuinely happened today. <laughs> I went into the, into the living room. I flicked the switch on the TV. I checked my phone. And in that time, I forgot I turned on the TV. So when the TV popped on, I freaked myself out. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that genu- so all I can say, I probably share a lot in common with Albert Wesker. I guess a side effect of T-virus is temporary and frequent amnesia. <laughs> Like temporary and frequent amnesia. Um, Albert Wesker gets the last line of the film because Alice is the weapon he needed. This is the beginning of the end. And it's a truly impressive final shot. I mean, we do like our final shots of Resident Evil, which are usually pour out to some sort of apocalyptic image. And yeah, this, the CGI, the monster effects in this film have been pretty shonky sometimes, but this large space of, of um, I guess, actually, I tell you what, when Donald Trump was elected president, this image I created as a gif of the camera pulling back from the White House, festooned with flamethrowers, demon-winged monstrosities flying around. Um, it's pretty epic. It gets you hyped. It makes you forget that you've just watched Resident Evil Retribution. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, that happened, but on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll find out what happened to uh, Chris and Kmart in that film. Uh, don't bank on it. The Red Queen is determined to destroy all life on Earth. This is the last that remain of us, of the human race. Seems we're bonded against a common foe. This is why we needed you back. The ultimate weapon. 
This is humanity's last stand. The beginning of the end. Anyway. That is the fifth Resident Evil film in the can. What are your final thoughts? Um, this is probably the Resident Evil film I um, am the least familiar with because I've only seen it now twice. I haven't seen the last chapter twice, but I guess that came out more recently than this one so it's slightly more familiar in the mind um and yeah it's not very scary at all apart from as we mentioned some of the jumps in the sort of suburban zone it is resident evil in terms of paul ws anderson's interpretation of the franchise at its i suppose most distilled version of it it's um perhaps the least distinct as a result and it, it is like a kind of mashup of greatest hits and greatest moments and greatest characters i'm mean, using great <laughs> meaning large and immense not meaning large and immense with a um, small g yeah um because it is just the sci-fi horror action particularly that vein of resident evil that he exploits the most in the films that's this film at sort of relentless full tilt there's really no time for story it's just sort of set piece set piece set piece and you know quite a lot of these set pieces are the uh, Resident Evil films at I guess biggest as the quote on the bot said and at their most sort of um you know uh, interesting uh, maybe at least in terms of like setting and concept I don't know it's it's an iffy one it definitely feels like a kind of the Resident Evil movie sort of spinning its wheels a little bit like we're gearing up for the last film we know the last film's going to happen here's a bunch of cool stuff we haven't been able to stick in a Resident Evil movie yet before <laughs> we go into the final chapter so I I, I, I think you know, where it lies amongst the other ones. I can't see myself saying, like, I want to watch, you know, if it's, like, I want to watch the one where it's, like, Raccoon City, like, the games. I want to watch the one where it's, like, Desert for some reason. I want to watch the one uh, where it's, like, you know, the final chapter and the be-all and end-all of the franchise. I think this film and the one before it, they sort of blend into each other a little bit. I think I probably prefer this one a little bit more to Afterlife, just because it is kind of wackadoodle crazy, whereas Afterlife is a bit drab. But I don't know. I, I I'm sort of like it's less than the sum of its parts, but it maybe has some of the most fun parts of all the movies to it. Be awful if it really happened. 
<laughs> oh god imagine if this imagine, really happened imagine if there was like a testing facility in russia where clones are being made to test viruses to sell to various countries i mean oh, i be... shudder at the thought i know gosh waking up in the night and then my wife sort of says what was it what was it like, oh god imagine if resident evil retribution really happened <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think my wife had the best idea about this film. She she watched this while also looking at her phone, and I think this is very much that sort of a film. It's it's just lots of flashing lights, <laughs> and um, you know some fairly nice bloody effects for like an action film. Um, I think I like this probably the least though of all the Resident Evil films we've got so far. I think by doing so much by trying so much it's become sort of a jack of all trades master of none and i think whereas the first resident evil film felt like an actual film <laughs> uh resident evil apocalypse kind of had some of my favorite stuff from resident evil games two and three and like a inner city zombie setting although i didn't quite understand why it went mad max in the third film You've got Ian Glenn in there for some reason, and uh, I quite enjoyed that. And despite the fairly drab middle of Resident Evil Afterlife in the prison, I do enjoy like the big clone attack at the start of Afterlife, and I do like how you get like a, a family-sized portion of Wesker at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Not the fun-sized bar you get in this one. No, this is just a fun-sized Wesker. What's fun about a small Wesker? I'll show you. <laughs> um, yeah, so not not my favourite, not offensive, um, and crucially, as you know, just not as pointless as Ratchet and Clank, which is what we did last time. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we we were cr- clamouring to see all these characters from the Resident Evil games, and we got them. I will say though, I don't think I'm going to watch this again unless I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think like they. All this attention of like finally seeing Leon and Ada and Barry and whatever, and like when they appear, it's just like so ineffectual. It's just like over there, oh, okay, that's you know, they just like appear and do nothing. I think this is like the the Resident Evil films maybe at their most sort of fan servicey, but like fan service for fans of the Resident Evil films as much as maybe the games. I guess if you're watching the fifth film in a franchise, it is probably catering to an audience who is on board for this yeah. kind of malarkey <laughs> i didn't enjoy resident evil resident evil apocalypse resident evil extinction resident evil afterlife or resident evil retribution but i'll i'll give the final chapter a go <laughs> maybe that'll be the one i hear it's the last one <laughs> well until next time we'll uh put to bed the zombies <laughs> tuck them up sweet dreams that, that that's a well-known proverb <laughs> is that well-known proverb um but what are we tackling next time on games on film next time we are marking 10 years of tron legacy the sequel to tron uh, which we covered in episode 10 of the podcast but yes it's been a decade since the follow-up which goes to show how long it's been since uh, talk of a Tron 3 has <laughs> rambled on, I suppose. Ten long years of Tron 3 talk. <laughs> so long. But in the meantime, how could people keep in touch with us? You can find more information about Games on Film, the podcast, as well as Games on Film, the films, on our website, 
gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod, where we post information about our episodes, as well as information about video game movies and video game movie news in general. So please do follow and like us there. We are also contactable on emails. Yes, emails. Gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. So do send us your messages. You can also, on our website, find ways to support the show, either by purchasing video game movies for us to review on Amazon, or by donating via coffee. You can find us both individually on Twitter as well. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Harry, anything you'd like to plug? No. (laughs) Not at all. Um, Actually, yes, Norton Antivirus. I've, uh, <laughs> I think that's a really good product. Uh, do I want you to do all your shopping at GameStop, no matter what you're buying, be it fish or toast or... Oh, sh- I don't want to start talking about toast again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, antivirus software and fish. <laughs> Very good. Also celebrating 10 years of its existence is Gamer Disco the video game and music club nights that I helped to run. We haven't been able to do anything really since February this year, but we're going to be doing an online event on Twitch on Sunday the 13th of December at 6pm GMT. You can join us on twitch.tv slash gamerdisco where we'll be having music performances by video game music remixes and chiptune artists as well as maybe a little bit of socialising bantery business and some gaming. So do join us then. I do like socialising bantery business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for now for Resident Evil. I'll see you next on the grid for Tron Legacy. I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.